Hey, this is Jeff Gannon, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast. This is the podcast where Andrew and I talk general investing concepts. To learn about specific stocks I like, go to focuscompoundinggazette.com. That's focuscompoundinggazette.com, and enter your email. Once you enter your email, you'll start getting one free 2,000-word stock write-up a week. Andrew and I also manage accounts for clients. To learn more about our managed accounts, email Andrew at info at focuscompounding.com or text or call Andrew at 469-207-5844. Now here's Andrew with your regularly scheduled podcast. Alrighty, we are back. How is everybody doing out there today? Hope you are doing well. Andrew Kuhn, Focused Compounding Podcast. Coming at you here today from the sunny Dallas, Texas, here by myself. Uh, but we do have a special guest on the podcast, uh, contributor to the website. His name is Alex Middleton. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing well, and that's the third time we've had to say that because I've messed up so <laughs> many times. So I want to thank you so much for coming on um, uh, coming on the podcast here today. And if you do want to uh, get access to Alex's write-ups for the site, he has contributed a lot to the website, go to Focus Compounding and use the podcast promo code, and they'll take some money off of the subscription price. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a company that he had written up called North American Energy Partners. Um, when he wrote it up, it was around $8.40. Canadian. Uh, it's currently around fourteen ninety Canadian dollars, and then it has a market cap of four hundred and seven million um, Canadian. So, um, before we jump into that, and maybe I should tell you the ticker is NOA. Um, if people want want to reference it, at least that's the one that's on the New York Stock Exchange. But before we jump into the company, Alex, maybe you could spend a few minutes. Um, talking about your investing style, obviously here at Focus Compounding, we we focus on the overlooked stock space, um, and I would certainly consider this stock to be in that category. But maybe you could spend a minute or so, really just giving the listeners a little bit of a background on your investing style and types of companies that you look for. Uh, my investing style, at least I I look at it on a wide spectrum of companies. I don't just keep myself to micro caps or. Uh, small caps. I, I look at large caps and mid caps. Um, I follow a few investors on um, and take a look at their portfolios on Data Roma, um, and then I also subscribe to you know certain uh, people's blogs, and so I get a lot of ideas that way. Um, but and even when uh, people who follow me email me asking questions on certain stocks, I I uh, I'll look into that sometimes as well. Um, but I'm not specific to what I look at because I find um, even when I look at you know, big companies that may seem really overvalued. I, I learned a lot from that stuff as well. So in that uh, knowledge can apply to things I might apply to an overlooked or small cap stop in the future, stock in the future. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that that is awesome. So North American Energy Partners, um, you know, I'm always curious, especially when people do come across an overlooked stock, how did you first come across this company? Did you screen for it? Or maybe you could tell me a little bit about that process. So my background, I, I reside in uh, Calgary, Alberta, and uh, I work, used to work in the, the oil industry here for, for 10, 10 years. Um, and this is one company that is quite familiar to most a lot of people that worked in the oil sand industry. Um, it's a major uh, contractor that does a lot of the earthworks, heavy civil mining contract in the region. Um, so it's quite familiar, and especially if you... I used to live up in uh, right in the oil patch up there, which is uh, called Fort McMurray, and um, you even you hear about it more there too. So um, you end up even if you don't deal with them directly, you, you you see their trucks everywhere as well. Wow, that's awesome! What did you do in in the oil business? I'm kind of curious. Uh, I was a, a, a supply management professional. 
That's awesome. That's cool. So, so what does the company do? Maybe give a little bit of an overview on it. Um, you know, like who, what kind of products do they have or like, what's their business? Who are their customers? I'm kind of curious to hear about it. Uh, so their primary asset is just mining equipment. So if you ever look at the pictures of a giant mine, their big, their equipment is, you know, the biggest haul trucks in the world. Like, so they have, uh, cat caterpillar 797 mining haul trucks or well they don't own those ones but they own like triple seven caterpillar mining haul trucks which are you know a couple stories high and can carry um 60 70 tons per per load um yeah and so the so the companies will contract them out so the owners of the the resource so they, the oil companies in the region will contract them out to do uh overburden removal uh, which is like the top layer of soil that needs to be removed to get to the resource to be mined um and they might have also other projects that they contract uh north american for like building tailings tailings dikes um and various other earth earth type projects that's awesome so does all the revenue pretty much come from that then a uh, fair bit uh, most of it yes and then they also have another uh division where they contract out some maintenance activities so they have a big maintenance shop to help service a lot of their equipment down in edmonton uh, Alberta, and then they, because it's a little bit bigger than what they need for their requirements, they also search out business uh, through other customers. So, you know, a lot of the oil companies will own their own uh, equipment as well, and you know, they might not have enough room, or they might be at a capacity in their maintenance facilities. So they might say, "Hey, North American, uh, can you do some maintenance on this truck because we need it back, and we don't have the space to do it." Interesting, interesting, and I guess um, you know, I, I probably should have asked this a little bit earlier when we were. Uh, introducing the company but what was the float and um i guess the uh like the volume like on this company is it more of like an illiquid stock did you have any issues getting into it or anything no like that? it's you know it's it's no it's it's fairly liquid you don't it you don't have to wait around too long to to get your order uh executed it's it's covered here in canada it's uh fairly well known i mean uh by by the people who cover Canadian stocks and in in the oil industry. Sure. No, that's yeah. awesome. So if you had to describe, I mean, I'm always curious when um, you know, types of companies like this, do you think that the business has a pretty strong moat? I know you in your write up you were talking about uh you believe it's it's one of the most promising opportunities um in the industry without a lot of optimism right now. That's what you wrote. How do you sort of think about that and and I guess why do you think that? Well, I guess he, I mean, to know the history about the oil sand industry in the past 20 years is, you know, from 2000 to 2008 you know, to 2010, it was a huge growth story. You had a lot of international oil companies coming in and investing a lot into, uh, or at least developing plans in their pipeline to build huge projects out here because the whole mentality around the end of oil was coming and, you know, Canada's resources was one of the last, you know, opportunities to to get to build up the reserves um and so uh there's a lot of uh investment coming in and, and that was why north american construction was starting to uh to get a lot of uh attention as well they were bought by a private equity firm down in uh texas called sterling sterling capital or something mm -hmm. and that was on the pr premise that you know that all this growth was going to happen and north american was going to be the primary uh, contractor of choice to develop a lot of these oil sand sites where at least mining would be required. Um, and, all, and we know the story from there after post-2008, two, you know, 
Doyle Sands became a lot less popular. Um, and there was tons of contractors that, that wanted to grab a lot of that business too. So the mining contractors came in and a lot of equipment came in. They were bidding really aggressively to get business there. And then after oil went down, um, you know, a lot of that equipment stayed because there wasn't anywhere else to move it in the world because mining uh, commodities prices went down as well. So a lot of these companies were just kind of hanging on, seeing if things recovered eventually. And but eventually the you know the prices just kicked up low, and a lot of these companies weren't making money. So all it took is a little bit of uh, time before some of the companies went out of business or just folded up that part of their overall business and sold their author equipment or just closed down operations in the region. And North American was kind of one of the ones that stuck it out because they've been there for a long time. And um, I think what you're seeing right now is partly the recovery in that, uh, in that, um, in this mini, mini industry here up in uh, Alberta, Northern Alberta. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you think about it like as a turnaround story or how do you think? About um, that? Yeah, I think it's, well, so North American is a bit of a turnaround story as well. Uh, and it also, because, you know, they ha- had a lot of, built up a lot of debt and they were in a little bit of financial trouble and had to sell off a dis- division. But also it's a kind of a recovery in, you know, there's only two pretty much o- operators in the region that can ha- handle certain size scopes you don't see mining scopes in the region mm-hmm. um so and one of them just dropped out and north american bought their assets so that's how it went, went from three to two and then also i think it's partly um a mini cycle in the region as well in terms of at least earth move, moving large amount of dirt um after oil prices dropped uh, considerably in around 2012 um a lot of the oil companies up there started kind of deferring expenses to the future to, to preserve cash flows. And one of the major expenses they incur every year is this moving this overburden to get at the resource. So they pushed that off in the future. And right around, you know, 2016, 2017, that's when, uh, you know, they, they couldn't really push off those expenses anymore. So they had to do a lot of catch up because in order to maintain their production levels, they had to remove all that overburden to get at the resource so they can process it and haul it to uh, turn into oil, essentially. So it's kind of got like three different, you know, uh, variables at play here. Mm-hmm, sure. And then in your in your write-up, one thing that I, I thought was kind of interesting, you were talking about, I believe, how um, management, um, they laid out like a goal to grow both revenues and EBITDA by 15% per year for 2007, 2008, 2017 through 2019, but, uh, 15% per year. So that's just all like on future projects that they expect and stuff. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I think it's, it's tied with, it's probably tied as well with, uh, volumes that they've probably been, uh, that have been shared by their clients or customers that said, Hey, this is what we expect to, uh, move in the next three years and they have like a three-year uh, a contract with two-year extensions or something like that so they can kind of they say we're going to grow it by 15 percent so that's going to be based off volumes that probably been shared with them um also they they have expanded outside of oil sands a little bit as well so they work for uh, a mining company that's that does copper and um, coal out in uh, british columbia so that's outside their traditional territory of where they get most of their business. So they've expanded that way. So that's helped with their setting their targets. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Does the company have a lot of debt now? I know you said that they sold off some divisions before. 
um, to, to sort of help with that debt? They, they reduced it significantly when they sold off a piling decision, uh, division uh, in 2012. But so this past year was kind of a transformational year in terms of, uh, you know, um, so back in 2012, they sold the piling division and, uh, you know, they did fairly well over the past, next uh, four years. Not, not great, but then they reduced their share count by about 30%. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so then in this past year, and then 2017 was a good financial year for them. 2018, they've, they've kind of been a little more aggressive with their future growth. They bought um, uh, the assets of another mining company that was operating in the region. So Acon Construction, which is more of a multi... They're a big Canadian uh, construction firm, and which had a large presence in the... Uh, in the Alberta region for mining projects, but I think they're the one company that just kind of gave up and folded it, folded in that that uh, part of their business because they just couldn't make money at it. Um, uh, so, can't remember what it was with that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, and and the reason you know I asked, and, and I'm kind of curious about like the capital allocation. Um, I guess when it came to their debt, because I don't know. Sometimes a lot of times when you we, when you look at companies similar to to um to to this one uh to north american energy partners i'm always i'm always just curious to see like what their deposition is and um you know what what they're doing with the capital that they uh they raise so i was kind of curious with the uh the capital right. allocation yeah so i guess yeah they so like, like i mentioned they they reduced their share count by 30 percent uh in the past you know five six years and then this past year was kind of transformation because they spent 150 million dollars to buy this, the Acon's construction equipment, and they yeah. used primarily debt to do that. And then they also bought a another mining contracting firm that's that's big in the Northwest Territories and Nunavut, which is where uh, Canada's diamond mines are. So that was all done with uh, a lot of debt. So last year their debt was 383. Long-term debt was 383 million, and and with those um, acquisitions, it, it went up to. Sorry, went from seventy million to two hundred sixty-five million this past year with those acquisitions. Got it, got it. Yep. And then I, I don't know if you touched on this a little bit earlier, but it looks like the revenue in two thousand thirteen was around four hundred seven million, and in, I'm sorry, in two thousand thirteen was four hundred seventy million, and in two thousand seventeen it was two hundred ninety-two million. What was the decline from? Was it just problem from like, I mean, like prices of the commodity in general, or what? What happened there? From from 2013 20, to 2017, why was there such a decline in revenue? Oh, that was the, that was mostly the sell, selling off that piling division. Got it. Got that it. I mentioned, yeah, yeah, and then also, I think they were just being a little more selective with the projects they took on mm-hmm. and the the business they took on, and making sure that there was going to be profitable work that they took rather than a competing at a loss. That's interesting. So you, so it's currently around fourteen ninety. Um, how did you, you know, think about the valuation of the company and how did you appraise it? Um, well, I pretty much because I knew the business so well, I, I, you know, I kind of had an idea of what the cyclicality and and there was a lot of upside in in, in coming in the the coming up for the company, and it kind of goes back to you know where I don't know if you read the. Uh, Howard Marks's most recent book where he talks about cyclicality investing with, you know, kind of momentum going up on the cycle and everything. And then mastering the market cycle. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. And so it, that was in my head. There was a lot, yeah, a lot more probability of, 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 you know, having that momentum going up because I knew that there was going to be a lot of work coming up for, 
for the company in the industry in the region so and then when i looked at the valuation you know and compared it to acon even though it's not a uh, direct comparable, I thought, you know, I didn't have a huge, a specific price target in mind, but I thought, you know, it was very likely that this company was going to be trading more in the future um, just because this had a lot going for it and, and it's going to have a lot more business coming up. Mm-hmm. And then like at present day, have they been hitting their targets? I mean, have they been living up to what they said in the past? I mean, you know, a year ago, um, you sort of outlined in the um, your write up that management, and as I spoke to you a little bit earlier, that they said both revenue and EBITDA was going to grow by fifteen percent per year. Have they been living up to that? Well, the 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 uh, revenue has easily gone. Well, it's hard to compare at least twenty eighteen to twenty seventeen, but uh, because they made those they two, act- yes, they, I mean they are on track to to to, uh, to follow through on that commitment so far. That's awesome. And then, what do you think about the CEO? Uh, he's done really well uh, because he took over, and then the reason he was taking over was pretty much because he to to fix the company because it was in a bad position, um, and so he had to make some really difficult decisions. Uh, you know, selling off the part of the company and paying down some debt, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, reorganize rationalizing their equipment fleet because. You know, activity had gone down. So, I mean, it's the worst thing you can be in uh, cyclical with a cyclical business is you're stuck with so much assets assets on your books, and you can't find any any business to 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 make money off of them. Um, and a lot of these are capital leases to a lot of the pieces of equipment. So that was a really tough thing to do. So I think he's done really good, and you know, the capital allocation reducing the 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 outstanding shares by as much as they did in the past at uh, pretty good prices in retrospect is I think it's done a really good job. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you take a look at like the proxy statement and see um, like how much of his compensation is, you know, tied to like the company's uh, performance? Like does he own a lot of stock? I'm always kind of curious to hear about that. Uh, I haven't looked at to see what, how many shares he owned. I mean, I remember way back he, you know, when they were doing the, the initial transformation, he had actually loaned the company, you know, a bunch of money at nine and a half percent interest or something like that. Wow. But uh, so he had a stake. As long as it survived, he was going to get his money back. I guess. Pretty interesting. And and so you wrote up this stock. When did you write this this article up? Uh, it was May or May or June last year. Yeah, and twenty eighteen. Yeah. And when do you think? I mean, you're just continuing to plant. Like I know you didn't really give a share price, but you just plan to hold it for for a very long time. I guess, like, what, like I get, I'm always curious to hear, like, what would make you sell? Like, what risks do you see with this business? Well, they they have a really concentrated, uh, really concentrated uh, customer base, right? Because really, there's, they say there's, they've got five clients out there. So the the mining company Tech, which is in British Columbia, and then there's four different companies that are in the Alberta region. So you have Imperial, um, Canadian Natural Resources, and Suncor Energy. And then there's another company they consider Syncrude, which is just a joint venture between basically Suncor and Imperial Oil, which is kind of part of Exxon in a way. Um, but uh, I would say it is it's still going to be cyclical. If you know, they, if they had a, a huge safety incident, it would be they would lose uh, business. I think, uh, and that would cause me to sell. Or if they really started to pile on a lot more debt load that would cause me to sell as well because in the contracting world and I think it's kind of similar when you're when 
when companies are evaluating who they want to do business with, they kind of do a, a financial evaluation to make sure they're strong and, and, and they, they, they're going to be around for a number of years. And then also if their safety record's really good. So if, they, if, this, if there was a safe, big in safety incident that would happen, I would sell. And then also um, if their financial conditions started to deteriorate further, uh, then I think I would sell as well. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. I, because you know this is cyclical. There's going to be a lot of momentum and rational uh, momentum that takes this con- this stock beyond what uh, it might be intrinsically worth over time as well. And if that got too far over that that dollar figure, then I would sell as well. Sure, interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about this company? Uh, no, I think that I've covered mostly everything that I want to talk about. How can people? Alex, um, get into contact you if they want to talk about this business with you. Uh, so I have an email. It's called alex at stockwriteups.com. And they can just send a, an email to that, and I would be happy to. That's awesome. To what, what stock converse. write-ups is that? Is that like your domain or something? Yeah, that's where I posted all my uh, my articles. And we have a, I have a podcast uh, show as well, valuestocks.com. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then so we... Uh, well, I used to have a partner with that uh, named Felix that I used to do the the podcast with. Yeah. But he's been caught up with work a little bit, and uh, so I've been posting a little bit lately. I pick one stock, and then I talk about that. It's only for about ten minutes or so, and just just kind of give people a briefing on on what the stock's about and what I kind of you know think its uh, potential is, and then uh, and then leave it to there. So it's kind of fun to do yeah yeah no that's that's great i didn't i didn't know that and i'll definitely include that in the show notes for everybody if you want to check out his website or or reach out to him directly by email or listen to his podcast well alex i want to thank you so much for for coming here today to to talk about north american energy partners it's definitely a an overlooked stock for sure and uh one that certainly would be interesting for everybody to take a look at i want to thank everybody sir for tuning in with us here today at the focus compounding podcast if you're not following me on twitter Follow me on Twitter at Focused Compound. Alex, are you on Twitter? Uh, yes, barely. Barely. Okay. <laughs> well, if you if do you use it for FinTwit? Uh, not really. Okay. I, I can send you the stuff afterwards, but I don't use it too much. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, well, I'll include all that in the show notes. But okay. Other than that, I hope everybody has a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. We'll see you in the next podcast. Take care. Hey, this is Jeff Gannon, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Andrew and I talk general investing concepts. To learn about specific stocks I like, go to focuscompoundinggazette.com. That's focuscompoundinggazette.com, and enter your email. Once you enter your email, you'll start getting one free 2,000-word stock right up a week. Andrew and I also manage accounts for clients. To learn more about our managed accounts, email Andrew at info at focuscompounding.com or text or call Andrew at 469-207-5844. Thanks for listening.